WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. changed so much and so many times in just three weeks. Three weeks and a couple days. First, Bell was going to be there the Monday before week one. Then, Bell was going to be there the Wednesday before week one. Then, Bell no-showed week one, and the O-line ripped him a new one, verbally. They declared war. For like a millisecond, Bell was kind of the good guy. A A little bit. Or at least got some sympathy. But Bell obliterated any goodwill that existed. He gave that goodwill the Hiroshima treatment with the jet ski video and the rap video and the smart-ass posts on social media. And he was fat in the videos. And then James Harrison made the tag and covered goodwill for the one, two, three when he said Bell should sign, report, practice, fake injury, steal money from the Roonies. Uh, Harrison's statement did Bell zero good at any level and from any angle. So now Bell's the bad guy. But you kind of still need him. So the assumption was he'll be there after 10 games and maybe they're 7-3 and Bell can add some life and some legs and some yards. Everyone was thinking best case scenario. Hoping best case scenario. But then you hear Bell might not play at all this year. And then you hear Bell probably won't play at all this year. And then Mark Kamala of The Athletic reports that Bell is an unrestricted free agent next year, even if he doesn't play six games like we were told he had to. Unless the Steelers franchise Bell again, which they won't, let alone for 25 mil, which would be the price tag, Bell will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. So now Bell and the situation are so toxic, the debate is, should the Steelers rescind his tag, even if it means Bell shows up somewhere else and hurts the Steelers or embarrasses the Steelers like James Harrison did when he went to New England? It went from, well, he's going to be here tomorrow. He's going to be here any day now. It went from that to F. Le'Veon Bell, rescind the tag, and let's move on. That all happened inside of three weeks. That is an amazing timeline in terms of action and attitude. It is also what's best for business. Fairies wear boots and you gotta believe me. Le'Veon sucks, gotta take away his tag, yeah. Barry's Square Boots brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. I've done a 180 on all this. I would rescind his franchise tag if he showed interest to sign and come in. Who knows what Le'Veon Bell is going to show up? Going to be fat. Probably going to be high. Might get suspended. How can you trust him? He lied about his intent. How can you trust him? How can you put him back in that locker room? How could he possibly fit in? 
412-333-9939 is the number to call. Remember three weeks ago, I said, you know, he's got a point here. And he took that point, he took that sympathy and obliterated it. Just wiped it out. You know what he needed to do when he didn't show up and the O-lineman called him out? He needed to not talk at all until he reported or didn't. But the video this, the video that, the smart-ass social media crap this, what a jerk. Then again, he don't care. And, and one thing Wolf and I talked about that, that should be noted. This isn't one training camp he's missed. It's two. And that's cumulative. You have to figure, right? Last year, like Wolf said, Bell showed up and it took him three or four games to really get going. Well, given that this would be a second straight training camp missed, and he looked fat in those videos, and who knows what his preparation level has been like, and he certainly would not be in football shape. It took him four games to get going last year. If he showed up for, I don't know, the last six games this year, he might not get going at all. And I wouldn't trust him to not fake injury. And I wouldn't trust him to not be dedicated. I wouldn't trust him to take his last run with the Steelers seriously. I just don't trust Le'Veon Bell at all. And that's why I rescind the franchise tag. If it comes to that, and he never plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers again. You know, I'm not the kind of guy to say, I told you so. But I told you so. I told you exactly what this guy was like. He told you exactly what he was like, but you just wouldn't listen. You know what theory I heard from a, a football guy that I respect, very close to the Steelers? He thinks that if Bell never plays for the Steelers again, and it, it obviously is ending so badly, that for the remainder of his career, which probably isn't that much longer, but it would reel Antonio Brown back in a little bit. Because Lev Bell doesn't care who he plays for, doesn't care if he wins. A.B. has just as big an ego as Le'Veon Bell, maybe bigger. He wants that money, he wants that notoriety, and those are his first priorities. But unlike Bell, those aren't his only priorities. I think A.B. does want to win, and I think he wants to play for the Steelers. So maybe if he sees how bad it ends with Lev Bell, maybe it, it reels his attitude and ego back in a little bit. Then again, if Ben retires while A.B.'s still playing, and A.B. still wants to tack on some numbers and be a Hall of Famer, all-time great, whatever. That'll be a brave new world then. I don't know if A.B. will see Josh Dobbs or Mason Rudolph as guys who can jack up his numbers and get him in the top five for receiving and get him in the Hall of Fame. Although if A.B. retired right now, I think he'd probably get in the Hall of Fame. I think it would take a couple votes, but I think if he keeps playing like this for a couple more years... I think he's a chance to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Probably not. But, but maybe second or third. Let's go to Rob in Newcastle. Rob, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, M Squared, when, do, when does Kevin Colbert start taking a little heat for some of these first-round draft picks on defense and have it materialize? Yeah, who, who made the decision on those first-round picks? Well, I don't know. That's, that's the thing. Yep, I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, and, and you know what they say... The Steelers tell us that they make decisions like that as a team. 
so nobody can be blamed. And if I knew for a fact that Kevin Colbert had final say on all draft picks, you would have a valid point. I don't think he does. I think the coach interferes like crazy. And I think the coach voiced random picks on the Steelers that go against the overall plan of the draft. What, what about not transition tagging Le'Veon Bell last year, which would have allowed them to either find what the real market value was for him and make the decision? Yeah, almost nobody or... uses the transition tag. And if the Steelers are guilty of anything regarding Le'Veon Bell, they did not uh, see this coming. But i got to give him a free pass on that because I didn't see it coming. You didn't see it coming. Nobody yeah. saw it coming. We all assumed he'd follow last year's pattern. Come on, you did. Admit it. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but you know he's leaving at the end of the year anyway, regardless of what you did. If you transition him, you either find out if the value's there. If it's not, you get him on the, on the cheap and keep him. If, if the value Their is intent there, was to keep goes. him, period. Their I intent was not to shop one. him around. Their intent was to not find out his value. Their intent was to keep him, period. So the franchise tag made the most sense. No, if you look at what their intent was, they did the right thing. He double-crossed them. The Steelers didn't anticipate him double-crossing them. But when I look at a guy who's been suspended twice for pot and who may or may not have jaked it with a minor injury in the AFC Championship game two years ago, and boy, more and more insiders are saying that now that the bloom is off Le'Veon's rose, the Steelers' mistake was trusting a guy who had proven already he should not be trusted. Let's go to Joe in Ocean City. Joe, you're on with Double M. Yeah, Mark. Uh, yeah, about Le'Veon Bell. There, there's no way that that. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But there's, I don't see any way that that locker room would welcome him back. You know, he's down there. Kenny Powers in it up on these jet skis. <laughs> that's that's a very I'm good serious, uh, right? description. That's the first thing I thought of, man. It was Kenny from Powers when I saw that. I'm thinking, like, you got to be kidding me. Well, yeah, yeah just, you know, it's amazing who athletes will welcome back into a locker room if they think he can help them win. But I think trust in that regard is gone. Uh, like I said, he could show up fat. He could show up high. He could show up uninvested. In fact, I would guess he'd show up uninvested. And once again, I'm not the kind of guy to say, I told you so, but I told you so. I told you, even before Le'Veon Bell didn't show up for camp, that he had mentally moved on from the Steelers a long time ago. And he's done nothing but prove that since. Let's go to Randy in Manaka. Randy, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Good, Randy. Hey, uh, just a couple quick things uh, about the Bell thing. You know, I can't wait till we get rid of him because you know he's just been a big disturbance to us since he's been here. He's been a pretty and good player, too. Without a doubt. But, I mean, if I look at it, like we don't need that superstar running back. We could be like New England and have that three running back formation. Philadelphia, the, the running back by committee, but it's a tough task to assemble that committee and it's very rarely done overnight. Exactly. And and then the, the second thing I want to say about uh, Aaron Donald last night is that when he Bobby Boucher him, I mean, like roughing the passer, like, I mean, I, I mean, there's so many different flags this year for, you know, roughing the passer and, you know, Ben got hit on top of the head. I mean, it, it was a little light but it was still a flag because that's what the rules say. What Aaron Donald did was a flag? No, no, no. I'm just saying, I mean... What Aaron Donald did was a a thrill ride. It looked like the Tilderworld at Conneaut Lake Park. I expected Kirk Cousins to go, Wee! 412-333-9939. We got Kevin and Curtis on hold. Don't forget, 
we have beer league champion Colby Armstrong joining me at the bottom of the hour to talk hockey here on 105.9 X. First. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. You're a funny guy. That is very funny. Don't interrupt me. The X at 105.9. I, I hate to wax political, but as you know, I hate when celebrities act like their opinion means something in the political arena. And Sarah Silverman, who just irritates me so much with espousing her political views that, in my mind, she stopped being funny, just tweeted how, why is the nominee for the Supreme Court a white male at all? Well, now, I thought this white male was the problem. If you want to say Kavanaugh's the problem, I can see that. We don't know what did or didn't happen all those years ago, but he's obviously a very shady guy, and I can get frustration with his nomination. But then I hear Sarah Silverman say, why is it a white male? And suddenly I would vote for Kavanaugh, because F that. You know, it's not about male or female, white or black. It's qualified or not. I don't think this guy is because of lack of moral turpitude. But when you have to play that card all the time, pretty soon white men don't like it. For example, me right now not liking it. I'm not ashamed of being a white man. I'm just not. Although Sarah Silverman was pretty good as Gladys Heldman, uh, the tennis impresario in that Battle of the Sexes movie, the Billie Jean King movie. 412-333-9939. It is amazing. When you stay in the middle, one minute you hate somebody, the next minute you hate somebody more because they hate that somebody. It's a very frustrating uh, American climate. Uh, I mentioned before that Mike Hilton and uh, Morgan Burnett are doubtful for the Steelers against Baltimore Sunday night. The good news is everybody else is apparently ready to go, which means the whole offensive line is uh, something approximating intact. That's good. Uh, I would like to see Connor have a big day. I'd like to see... Nobody's going to pound the ball on the ground in the NFL consistently for the foreseeable future, but if the Steelers can run the ball more than just a smidge and more than just in the fourth quarter when they have a lead, that'll be good. Keep your defense off the field. That's football 101, and you're probably tired of hearing me say it, but watch film of that defense, and then you realize it has to be said. Let's go to Kevin in Moon Township. Kevin, you're on with Double M. Good afternoon, Mark. What up? Hey, a couple things are on my end. If the Steelers wanted to hold on to Lev Bell for this year and even into the next, the money that they're saving this year, couldn't they pretty much say, okay, well, we're not paying them, what is it, 8.8 mil if he misses 10, 10 games this this year. Put that towards next year's 17 mil, and you're pretty much getting yourself a deal, and he's hamstrung to the Steelers organization. Yeah, why would you want Le'Veon Bell to keep playing for the Steelers? If the Steelers wanted, I really don't. Why would you want Le'Veon Bell? I mean, like, but you're suggesting an idea by which they can keep Le'Veon Bell. I would want Le'Veon Bell for minimum wage at this point. 
He's double-crossed and lied to the Steelers and to Pittsburgh and to his teammates at every turn. Why do you want that guy? Why would you even consider bringing that guy back? You're not necessarily going to get the production out of him this year. but Okay, you're not answering my question, idiot, idiot, idiot. Listen to my question. Why would you bring a guy you can't? No, goodbye. Shut up. Goodbye, jerk-off. It's not the jerk-off show. Well, in some ways it is, but, but I control the microphone. And my question is, to anybody, why would you want to bring a player back who's double-crossed you and proven you can't trust? Now, when I say double-crossed, that's opinion because he ain't got no contract. And if he ain't got no contract, he ain't got no obligation. But like I said, I talked at the top of the hour about the timeline. Between the Monday before week one when everyone thought Bell would show up and now. And it has been quite a roller coaster ride. Say what? Of love. Let's go to Curtis and Allison Park. Curtis, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? I just wanted to say I would cut Le'Veon Bell for sure. I wouldn't. I would rescind the franchise tag on him. Nobody needs him here in that kind of chaos. Well, I wouldn't do that until he tried to come in. There's no need to make waves until you have to. And the whole thing is, too, is if he's about the money, he should be playing this year. He should have signed that tag if he's about the money because it's going to take him, even if he makes $4 million per year. I understand his strategy, and I can't – it's not what I would do because money now is what you want. Money now is always better than money later. Yeah, but he's got guaranteed money this year, eight, eight some hundred grand this year, right per game. Eight fifty five. You're, you're missing the point. He thinks he can make more on a long term deal by protecting his body from wear and tear by missing what appears to be the entirety of this season. Uh, that looks like his strategy. No, 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 goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I understand his strategy. It's just not what I would have done, and I don't think anybody likes uh, you know the Steelers. Prospective future employers, how can you not notice how duplicitous and dishonest he's been? You know, apparently he told everybody he was coming in. Apparently he told management that. Like Jerry Dulac pointed out earlier in the week, the Steelers issued a statement when Bell didn't show up for week one. They wouldn't have done that had they expected, had they not expected him to be there. But they did expecting to be there. He's a dishonest guy. I don't want to bring back a dishonest guy. And what really pisses me off is the knowledge. You know why a lot of people like deal with Bell? You heard that last dip stick. Oh, well, the stats, the numbers, he could do fantasy league. Fantasy league has warped people's perspective because nobody gets double-crossed in fantasy league. Nobody breaks trust in Fantasy League. It's just numbers. If that's the world you live in, fine, but it's not a world the Steelers could live in. And maybe they did live in it when they allowed Bell to stretch this out this long and clearly in his favor. Colby Armstrong talking hockey next, 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. My guest right now struck a blow for the underdog everywhere with his stirring beer league comeback and triumph in the local championship series, which was played somewhere in between two teams whose names we never learned. We'll get to that later. But joining us now for his weekly segment, 
It is former Penguin Colby Armstrong. Uh, Army, we will get to the Beer League results later, but uh, first let's talk Eastern Conference. Is the Eastern Conference going to be great or terrible? Because it seems like each team is either great or terrible. Yeah, 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 I agree with that, right? Like some of these teams that uh, have kind of made news. I don't think anyone really in the East has made terribly huge news about, you know, getting better, it seems to me. And, it's, you know, the big news is obviously out of Ottawa, you know, the odd news out of Montreal, what's going on up there, and especially through the summer and the Pacioretty issue and trading him. And, you know, so I think if you look at teams that probably got the most pump i would probably say it's it's the golden knights and it's san jose for landing carlson uh in the off season and kind of going into the season with with a little bit of juice right now right if that's out west and i'd say the team yeah. that caused the most buzz in the east would be toronto signing Tavares, but i'm still yeah. not sure the leafs are going to be any better army their their top defensive pair is still hainsey and riley i mean good for you you signed Tavares, but who's going to play d Oh, dear God, how could I forget the Leafs, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, we hear about them a lot, and, and, and I think you're right. I thought, you know, heading into the position that they had with likely the, you know, Tavares sweepstakes, and I think, obviously, he was a shoe-in. He, he was a fan as a kid, and that seemed to for him to want to come home. He's from the area. Um, was kind of, you know, the way it was headed. Now, if you'd looked at, you know, what you really needed to address. I think with the talent they have, there's no doubt that when you point at talent on their team, you look up front and what they have up front, and then they just added another horse. So, um, uh, yeah, their their D is something that definitely needed to be bolstered, uh, especially when you have a goalie like Freddie Anderson, who I think, you know, played the mo- one of the most goalies that played the most games last year as well. Like, they rely on him heavily in net with, uh, with no time off. Uh, for McElhenney, who will likely be their, their backup that sits, sits and watches. So, you know, it's a situation with a young group of guys that are coming in their own. And if you had to point out one thing, I do think they're a good contender in the East for sure. But if I had to point out obviously one thing, it would be their, their, their decor. Um, and kind of not having that, like, I don't know if you need that stud, but kind of not really having that presence on the back end. Uh, maybe a Ian Cole type of player even to come in there and kind of steady things out. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go one step beneath, Army. I think the Leafs are going to disappoint. And, and I feel bad for you because you got to go on Sportsnet to do TV up there, and you got to pretend yeah. the Leafs are good. <laughs> I feel bad because all those guys, they're Leafs fans. They're, they're homers, and you got to go on there and not roll your eyes and not laugh at those guys, and you got to pretend the Leafs are good. Admit it. You know what? We, we, we have to talk about the Leafs. Most of any other team, and uh, I, I, for whatever reason, the Leafs in the league have the hugest fan base. Like it is crazy um, how it's just kind of bred into families. It's indoctrinated. But you're avoiding the question. You 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 pretend they're good. Admit it. No, but I want to say this. I want to say this that that's kind of like since I started doing this, that's what sells is getting people to watch it, and people want to watch the Leafs. People want to hear about Tavares. Until the cows come home, people want to hear about Austin Matthews up there. Uh, so they do. They do hammer a ton of the convo for us, which is a lot of Leaf coverage. And quite frankly, sometimes it makes me sick. There you go. That's what I wanted to hear. Now, <laughs> are Matthews and Tavares going to clash eventually? Maybe even over the sea, the captaincy, because each of those guys has a bit of an ego. 
well, they're supposed to be the best players on your team and they're supposed to be the go-to guys. And it's, you know, there's lots of people excited about, you know, with Nylander re-signs there, as he's yet to do. You know, you have the Nylander, the Marner, the Tavares, and the Matthews, and how many goals are going to combine for it. And, like, what's realistic? And, and there's only one puck on the ice to go around and only so many situations that you're able to get these guys into. And, you know, frankly, someone's going to take a hit, likely, in, in how much they touch the puck on the power play or, or where, where they're going to be. And, you know, so I'm sure that'll be a huge topic of conversation throughout the season of who's playing where and how he's getting his minutes and how is Babcock managing these guys because they've got a lot of depth and skill up front and you got a lot of firepower. But as we've seen here, even, you know, how do you fit it in? How do you keep guys happy? Uh, how do they fit into your scheme when you've got the Malkins and the Crosbys and then you've got to find a spot for Kessel? And then how does your power play look? And, you know, it, it, you're not, it, it's tough to manage all that, who's getting the touches and who wants the puck and who gets to set it up and who plays with who. That's, that's going to be a challenge. There's no doubt, 100%. Now, is Washington the type of team to repeat? Don't get me wrong, Army. I think they've got a great roster. But they were so happy to win just one after all these years. I really do wonder about their focus this year. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, we'll find out soon enough. But I think, you know, you look at their season and it just it just all came together perfect for them. Uh, you know, Holpe had been struggling, uh, I think, down the stretch uh, to the point where they started their backup for the playoffs. And he had to come in and save the day. And it's, it was like a situation where they kind of just got over that hump and got through the Penguins and found their way, and, and it was it, it just all came together. And I think, you know, some of the added players that people maybe didn't look at and maybe won't be able to, you know, have the seasons they did or at least the playoffs they did maybe ever again. You know, the Smith-Pellies, you know, I like Lars Eller. I played with him in Montreal, quality player, but just came up so clutch for them. And, and, and that's usually what happens when you look at the depth guys that really push through and perform and, kind of carry you through some tougher times or getting a big goal when you need it. So can they do it again? Yeah, they're good enough. I think they've they got a good skating team. They're big. They have that physicality uh, as well to go along with their skill. But it has to fall together properly for them, as we've seen the last few years with the Penguins on their runs, too. It's just you have to have it work for you. And can that happen for them again? You know what I'm fond of saying about Tampa is whatever it is the Lightning never had, they still haven't got. Uh are they ever going to get over the hump? Uh, their roster says they should, but now I wonder. Yeah, and you know what? You look, you look, they seem to make a, you know, add guys and it puts them over the top. And it, it kind of seems like, to me, looking at them and looking at the quality of players they have um, and how they do through the season, and it kind of reminds me of, like, what Washington was, kind of. You know, like, they, they, they go and add, you know, like a, like a Shattenkirk in the playoffs. Like, did you need to do that? Or... You know, you need to add all these guys. They have so many guys, and, like, it is fitting all those puzzle pieces together to make it work and keep people happy and have it click. I mean, that's tough, but I, I think they've got a really good, fast team. They play the right way, like right now, hockey today. They've got the skill. They've got the speed. They've got the depth. There's no doubt. It's just putting it together, and they haven't been able to do that. Is that, is that I think that's more mental than anything, really, Mark, when you look at it. I think that's just something this team has to, you know, find. And, and also, I think you have, to have, you have to have some breaks. I mean, you have to have some breaks through playoffs. Like, they're definitely one of the best teams in the East. But you got to have it come together at the right time. And they've kind of faded last year at the end of the year. Kucherov faded at the end of the year. You know, it's just you know, it's, it's hitting it and peaking at the right time. And I think when you look at the Penguins, though, Mark, I think they, they understand that, too. 
Like they've got guys that have been through it. They got guys that know middle of the season, you know, how to save it a little bit. They're smart in the way they use themselves through certain games and through certain portions of the season. Um, and they understand that it's not always going to be good and they know when to save it and have that big push. I think, you know, in their head, they know what they're building towards. Um, and then that just takes going through it, knowing what it takes to get all the way to the end. We're talking to Colby Armstrong here on 105.9 The X. Army, we've talked about uh, the Penguins uh, a lot so far this season, about Toronto, Washington, and Tampa just today. Aside from those four teams, what one team could step up in the East? Who, who can challenge the teams we've mentioned? Oh, good question. Oh, man, I don't know. I think those those teams are the clear, clear-cut heads, and, uh, you know, well above everybody else. Um, I like what I like the the push that New Jersey made. They're they're actually an exciting team for me to watch from the old New Jersey Devils, of the uh, long known trap and defensive shutdown. Uh, you know, a team that <clears throat> went younger, a team that went with more speed as the league is, and a team that was actually really fun to watch. And I think it took a big step last year. You know, much to do with Taylor Hall. Can he do it again? Can he be that guy? But there was a huge gap. I, I think it was the highest gap in the league. Maybe, you know, we could look at McDavid's gap as well. From first in points on the team to, you know, second place in points on that team. And he was a huge, huge part of that. And can he carry this team again? Can he be that guy again? And can other guys get, you know, better? They got young guys that were good. They had good years. But I, I think they'd be kind of an exciting team to watch. They gave the Penguins a heck of a couple of the, some tough games a few nights throughout the season. And, uh, you know, they're a competitive team and a good, fun, young team to watch. Now, I, I want to get a little Penguin talk in before we wrap this up. This Ricola guy, the defenseman, the Finn, he oh, probably know. earned a spot on the Penguins with the way he showed in training camp. But there's literally no place to put him. You kind of feel bad for the guy. I know. Like, this is the one, like, you know when you come into camp and everyone goes, okay, here's the lineup. It's already written in. And every once in a while, there's a guy like Ricola that comes in here. And, like, I've watched him practice, too. Great to watch him practice. Like, he doesn't dip his toe in the water, and he's not feeling it out going, okay, oh, where do I fit in? He's just going and doing it. And, I mean, he looks very comfortable coming into the small ice. He looks very comfortable in, in what he's good at, reading plays, jumping up, tape-to-tape passes. He's not afraid to, you know, look off a, a Malkin or a Kessel or a Crosby and take that one-timer. Uh, which for a guy coming into that situation, I mean, he's not, not like terribly young, but still to come out on this stage here and try for this job and, you know, be amongst some of these superstars and be able to hold your own and have confidence enough to do your game and have those reads and those pinches and have those rushes. I mean, I've been amazed at, uh, and love to see the kind of game he has. And I got to think, I know you say that there's no room and when you, when you pencil in lineups, I think the Penguins were pretty strong and probably looking at their lineup and go, okay, this is what we got. But I think you have to really consider how you're going to fit this guy in your lineup to start this season with the way he's played. And who's going to have to maybe take a backseat, or if he has to wait, you know, a few games to start the year, maybe maybe it's Chad Ruedel has to you know sit a little longer, or what's going to happen with that. But I think he's made it uh, really really tough. No, no, I, I get you, Army, but easier, I just don't know who easier. sits. We sit for the regulars, exactly. I know, I don't know. I mean, maybe Alexiak, the only guy I could see. Them thinking he might be better than among the top six is Alexiak. Yeah. Yeah, that's who I could see too, 100%. I know it'll be interesting to see how they're going to fit him in because I think he's definitely earned a spot to definitely be up here as, you know, if they're going to use him as, a you know, the seventh guy. But I definitely think he he has earned a 
big time conversation at being in that top six and how they're going to fit him in there. Well, you know, I like that, him. I really like no, him. No, I like him too, Army, but in that vein, I think Teddy Bluger is ready to play in the league, and Jim Rutherford thinks so too. He's cut already, and on the Penguins, he's literally the number seven center. That that's the that's the problem with playing for a stacked <laughs> team. If you make it, you might win, but you might not make it. Yeah, absolutely. I you know what that's I, I you know, playing through my career I had buddies that I'd work out with in the summer that were on these teams or in the systems of teams that were stacked, and it's just, you know, you go through summer knowing, oh, man, you know, I'm working out to go play in the minors and, and you know, kind of put the dream on the back burner until, you know, you can carve out a spot or, you know, look at D. He got picked up on waivers by New Jersey. I mean, I, I always wonder why that doesn't happen more often when some of these guys get put on waivers, that other teams have to know that they're they're qual- pretty quality NHL guy. Like, they could, they could find a spot for them on some of these teams that aren't so hot right now. And you, I always wonder why some of these guys get passed on waivers that could come in and play the minors for a long time. There's a track record of them playing well. There's a track record of them being NHL players or close to and maybe taking that next step. And, and, and I always wonder why guys don't get claimed more often, especially at the start of the year. Can Sprong play fourth line right wing? He's being miscast, obviously. Will that, will that hurt him or help him? You know what? He play, when he played on the fourth line the other night against Buffalo, I thought that was his best game at training camp. Unfortunately, he suffered an injury. Uh, looked maybe a Charlie horse, it seemed. But you know what? I, I, I loved his game. He, he played just simple. He had pucks. He was skating. He made decisions. I think he gets to get the puck a little more playing with those guys. Um, you know, those little 10-foot plays, too. I saw like him you know, trying, trying that kind of cycle game, 10-foot game down around the net. He seemed like, you know, he seemed earlier when he was with Crosby and Gensel, you know, get, getting in the way a little bit, trying to find spots to go, and it wasn't working for him. So maybe that was the game he needed last game. Unfortunately, he got hurt. But just to see, like, what he has to do when he's playing good. Because that was the best game of the camp that I saw him play. was last game against men. But mind you, Buffalo, they, they stunk. Now, before we let you go, you guys won the Beer League Final 10-3 in Game 3. i got to tell you, Army, I've never been more emotionally invested in a game... <laughs> where I didn't know the names of the two teams or even was really sure where it was played. But still, a, a big win. You guys must be very happy. Oh, buddy, you have no clue. We, we were ecstatic. You, should see this. You, you remember when Sid came in the room with the cup in Nashville and it was like a champagne tsunami? Right. Like, that was epic, right? I, I thought that was amazing to see and that they caught that on video. Well, we, we've got a little video, too, that we took. I don't know if we'll post it, but it's Sean Sweezen bringing the cup in the room. You, you need to post one, it. And, yeah, then, and then one little dinky, like, beer can spray on him. It was the worst ever. <laughs> so now 10-3, what, did, did, did the goalie show up for the other team, or how'd you run away with it like that? Yeah, I don't know. We got some big efforts, and then our goaltender played pretty well. Oh, let's, let's forget about the cliches. How many goals did you get? Big fan of the show. I only got one goal, but I got to like five, probably a fifteen assist. See, but you're you're a classy ex pro. You go in the beer league, and you're not looking to score, right? You're looking to make other no. guys shine. Yeah, I want to set guys up. I love that. I play D now, Mark. I love it. I love picking it up, seeing the ice, setting guys up, working the blue line. I kind of remind myself if I could. You know my game in the beer leagues. I'm kind of mixed between Sergey Gonchar and uh, Paul Coffey. Well, I know yeah, both they're... men, and I think they would be gratuitously offended that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't 
don't tell him I said that. Especially cough. That's what I'm like. You know Sarge. Sarge would like kind of let it roll off his back. Cough would be pissed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he'd be pissed. Oh, at Mario's Fantasy Camp, actually, Coffee chopped me so hard with his stick. <laughs> He's like, he, he looks like a really nice player, obviously, and, and, you know, we know what he is as a player. But he's nasty with his stick, man. Like, jeez, he's a nasty guy out there. Nasty, nasty man. Well, you're going to have to get even at the next uh, Lemieux Fantasy I Camp. Know. Army. If I get invited back. I'm sure you will. Army, congratulations. I couldn't be happier. Great hockey analysis. We'll do it again next week. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you later. There he is, Beer League champion Colby Armstrong. Again, we're not sure where the game was. We think it was at, at, at the Warrendale rink, now called Barrel. It used to be Blade Runners. And we don't know the team's names, but we could revel in Colby Armstrong's victory nonetheless. Talk to Bob McLaughlin next, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. This is Mark Madden. It is. A double M, big fan. I think there's a better chance of me and Selena Gomez being parents to triplets. The X at 105.9. Joined by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, I talked earlier with Craig Wolfley about two very interesting Baltimore Ravens stats as we Look forward to Sunday night's game at Heinz Field. Baltimore is 12 for 12 in the red zone. 12 trips, 12 touchdowns, and Baltimore has not allowed a touchdown in the second half. If those trends continue <laughs> on Sunday night, that, that won't bode well for the Steelers. Yet the Ravens are only 2-1. and one. They are not undefeated. Yeah, uh, you gave those stats to Wolf, and I had the same reaction he did in this room. My eyes rolled back, and I went, oh, really? Uh, those were eye-openers. Um, but you know what? To counter that, Mark, the Steelers are almost unbeatable prime time on Sunday nights when they're at home. Um, ben has really been racking up the yardage. I can't say the same about the defense. It all hinges on the defense this weekend. Um, Joe Hayden in there is a good thing. Maybe Matthew Thomas in there turns out to be a good thing. Yeah, but you don't got Burnett. You don't got Mike Hilton. It's, Mike Hilton's a real big loss. That's what I was going to say. Mike Hilton's a big loss. You do have the O-line back together, though. Everybody looks like they'll be available, so... I don't know, maybe you got to watch score, Baltimore. And I know Steeler fans have faith that this offense could do that more often than not. The problem is the then not part. Yeah. Because you literally can't do it every game. Well, the thing about Hilton, though, I know he's doubtful, but some of the things I've read is that he thinks he's going to be able to go. They just kind of had to list him as doubtful because of the practice Yeah, but don't forget, in the last five years, no Steeler listed as doubtful has played. Well, there's another stat that I'm going to roll my eyes back and say, oh, okay, uh, that one affects the game on Sunday night also. I hope he goes. Um, but for this one, I would love to say it's going to be up to the offense. Now, Juju says he's going to start getting double covered. AB said today he's being double and triple covered. Bob, everybody else must be just wide open. I am putting money on James Conner then and Washington. Conner and Washington, lights out on Sunday. You heard it here first. You got to love it. That's Bob <laughs> McLaughlin. He's brought you by 84 Lumber. Got a lot more talk to come in just 30 seconds. I'm going to issue James Harrison what I think should be his official farewell. Going to drum him up, a Steeler Nation. 1059 X.